where three women with names discuss movies that are about something other than a man. Paid in Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. It's also a spoiler-filled free-for-all. You've been warned. Today on Paid in Puke, we're getting in touch with our inner superstars. With a movie based on Molly Shannon's iconic SNL character, Mary Catherine Gallagher. 1999 Superstar was directed by Bruce McCullough and written by Shannon and Steve Corrin. Ever since I was a little girl, the one thing that I wanted more than anything in the entire world was a kiss. And one day, I saw the one who I wanted to kiss. Sky Corrigan. Then it hit me. There was only one way I'd ever get what I wanted. I would have to become exactly like those people in the movies. I would have to become a superstar. Paramount Pictures presents... In association with SNL Studios. What are you doing with your hands? Sometimes when I get nervous, I stick my fingers under my arms and I smell like that. Superstar. I wouldn't say superstar anymore because some people might say that you super suck. The story of a nobody. Don't listen to the names that people call you. If you believe in yourself, then nobody can hurt you. You are your own rainbow. Wow, that's really insightful. Who dreamed of being somebody. Nice moves. <laughs> May I have this dance? And wound up surprising everybody. This is everything I've ever wanted. Dreams can come true, you know. Molly Shannon is Mary Catherine Gallagher. Superstar! 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 <laughs> cool mug! <laughs> Witch Life! Witch Life mug! Get your Mitch. Oh, nice, guys! Amy's got her Witch Life t shirt on. <laughs> I'm not representing Witch Life right now, but. I did eat waffles for breakfast, so I was living deliciously in that way. I've been eating a lot more waffles. I've been more like, fuck it about what I'm eating. Because I'm exercising a lot, but like, I'm just, I don't know. I'm like, I'm just going to eat what I want because this sucks. <laughs> yeah. I need to figure out more of an exercise thing because I need to start moving more because just being in the house all day. Yeah. Yeah. There's good yoga videos on YouTube. I've done a bunch of different ones. Yeah. My studio has put a few videos up. They put two 90-minute classes and one 60-minute. Wow. Yeah, so I've been doing those in front of a space heater. How are I you would... holding up? Uh, you know, it's so surreal how sucky this timing is. But, yeah. you know, I keep reminding myself, well, I have lots of experience living in a way that feels unbearable. So... Yeah, that is a good way to put it. Like, my feeling 
is like, is anyone ever going to be chill again? You know, like, I feel like the rest of our lives are going to spend like waiting for the other shoe to drop, you know, like waiting for this to happen again. Or like, if there is another pandemic in a year or two, we're going to be like, no, we're, we're just going to let it rage. Like we're never doing this again. I don't know. Yeah. Man, I thought Lucy was going to remember this is the year she broke her ankle. (laughs) (laughs) It's surreal. I sometimes forget waking up and like reading the news and hoping there would be a breakthrough every day, but it's not really happening. So I'm just like, okay. Like I started working from home and I'm like, this could be good. You know, I got a foot rest and I got all these things and I'm like, oh, this is going to be fine. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then like after the first week, I want something to look forward to. And I feel like I'm pretty lucky, you know, I'm pretty fortunate in in this. And then I feel like bad that I feel like, oh, this sucks, but I'm just ready for it to be done. It's crazy, like how all the advertising is switched. Yeah. One industry not suffering right now at all is the voiceover industry. We were listening to the radio this morning and every commercial is like, in these hard times, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Jesus, they just recorded so many COVID commercials with euphemisms. Lula learned the word euphemism this last (laughs) week because she was like, why are they always like these hard times, this or that. They never say COVID. I'm like, that's a euphemism. Yeah. And she's like, why do they do that? I was like, I don't know. That's a harder question. (laughs) It's in our nature to skirt around things for some reason. Because then my next example for her was when they used to say on TV when someone was pregnant, they were in a family way. And she was like, why wouldn't they say pregnant? I was like, I don't know. They say in these hard times, and they can save that ad for the next time there's a hard time. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Timeless. In these in continuing these hard times <laughs> that will never end. Non-specific hard times. <laughs> God. It does seem like it's never going to be these easy times ever again. I do want to do a disclaimer to listeners. We're recording this in quarantine with Zoom there might be some decline in sound quality. Not that our sound quality is ever that great, but it's going to decline further. And there might be some background noise, and my kids might burst in here at any moment. So it's going to be a little bit noisier than we're used to. But we're doing it. We're potting in quarantine. <laughs> Today's episode of Paid and Puke, we are talking about the 1999 movie Superstar. Directed by Bruce McCullough, written by Molly Shannon and Steve Corin, and starring Molly Shannon, Elaine Hendricks, and Emmy Laybourn. And it's based on her recurring SNL character, Mary Catherine Gallagher. And this is a very longtime favorite of mine, and I was very happy to share this with my, my friends. <laughs> What'd you guys think? I mean, I had seen it before. My old friend Barb used to quote it all the time. Well, the only thing she would quote all the time was the Oh My Me. Good night, Mary. Oh my god. Oh my me. But I hadn't watched it since then. That was like 20 years ago. What I love about it, I did not remember the first time. I was like, I love how relentlessly horny she is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wore this Kiwi Lime lip gloss just for you. Like it? Huh? Oh, shut up. Because you're sexy. I'm gonna spank you. You want to be spanked? Huh? You want me to spank your booty? Mm. Oh, God. Oh, my boy. I feel like that's a thing that we doesn't get to be, you know, like, teenage boys being horny all the time is 
you know, a trope that you see a lot, but don't see it with the pubescent girl thing. And um, <laughs> yeah, I thought that was hilarious too. Yeah, with the tree. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> Although hot props in this time of pandemic because uh <laughs> licking that tree, I was like, no, don't lick it. <laughs> I don't think she really does though. I think it might be movie magic, but it's still like <laughs> how long does it live on the surface of trees? <laughs> yeah, do you have to social distance from a tree? I don't know. They say don't touch anything. <laughs> don't touch anything at all when if you can help it. It's not easy. It's like the fucking one long game of Operation out there. <laughs> and I've always been really bad at that game. <laughs> I know. That's the thing. Has everyone learned like, how much they love touching their face? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm a hardcore face toucher. Well, it was something I, I never thought about. And then, like, it's all I can think about. <laughs> like, all the, like... <laughs> I know. Like, don't think of it. Don't think of elephants or whatever. <laughs> well, I don't have that many hot probs of this movie. I really, really, really love it. But shut up. Hot probs is on. Oh shit! Yeah. The one thing I noticed this time was the tree. <laughs> don't, don't. So hard to watch anything with licking and touching anymore. I have very little hot probs about this too well maybe like the one girl the popular girl the bulimia stuff maybe or she has to take a break on the the three-way phone call to go throw up mary started the whole thing thank you i know hold on a second i've been through a trauma and i need a moment I guess I just have two more hot probs. Very small, very small hot probs. One was that she didn't want her diary back at the first when she runs into Slater and drops all her shit and he's like handing her her diary, like holding it out to her and she just runs away <laughs> when it's very clearly her diary. Like, I don't know why she wouldn't have recognized it. I don't know why they didn't just make it that she didn't see that it fell or something instead of him like holding it out to her and her just being like, no. Nah. And then my other small hot prop is just Tom Green in general. What, do you want to make something out of this? Well, maybe you want some of my salad all over your face! Yeah. So hard to explain to modern audiences what that guy's doing there, what he is, what was funny about him. Oh, I know. They let him do one Tom Green joke, which was like, I've got salad on my face. And that was kind of what he, he would just be like, I have something on my something. That was yeah. like, <laughs> he's like, you might be a redneck if <laughs> I have something on my I something. never even saw Freddy got fingered, but I just remember the, Daddy, would you like some sausage? Oh, look, honey, our boy's a genius. He's rigged a pulley system so he can eat sausage and work on his stupid drawings. I'm being creative. Now, if you'll excuse me, I still have some work to do. Daddy, would you like some sausage? Daddy, would you like some sausages? Daddy, would you like some sausage? Sausages! Sausages! <laughs> that was like his big joke, and that was like the funniest part of the movie was that like, Daddy, would you like some sausage or something? Yeah, kind of an Adam Sandler-ish bit, but... Yeah... I'm like, okay, I don't need to see the movie. I, I saw that funny part. I remember that he flew all the way to Seattle to film himself putting his butt on the Swedish sign so he could sing and that my bum is on the, remember that song? My bum is on the cheese, bum is on the cheese. If I get lucky, I'll get a disease. My bum is on the Swedish, 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 Swedish. 
No. Where he's like, my bum is on this, my bum is on that, my bum is on all these different things. And one of the things his bum was on was the Swedish, um, and it was like the Swedish yeah. hospital sign. And he actually flew to oh, Seattle to wow. film himself putting his bum on the Swedish hospital sign. Comedy. Remember how Drew Barrymore and he got married? That was wild. That was wild. She's <laughs> not had good taste historically speaking. <laughs> and then their house burned down or something. And then oh, they got I divorced. Remember that. I remember <laughs> he had cancer. with him through that and that was filmed I think it was like I, I think the only thing I watched it did was that special about getting one of his nuts removed when he had cancer yeah it was like an MTV documentary series or something uh, I think it was MTV next call I loved her and Will Ferrell together they're just so hilarious and all the physical comedy was so funny it was a mood lifter watching it it was back in the time when I was really religious about watching Saturday Night Live, and I'm not so much anymore, but that was very much my <laughs> SNL peak obsession time. And I just, when she falls over the chairs in the gym, <laughs> yeah. and like, oh, I just love that so much because there's so many great sketches of her doing that and falling around. <laughs> yeah, I do love that. She does not get enough props for being a great physical comedian. Everyone was all about Chris Farley. She's basically yeah, doing the yeah. same thing as Chris Farley, but she does not get the credit for it as much. She's so good at it. It's amazing. My kids have both been really interested in Pratt Falls as an art form. <laughs> I think they'd really enjoy that aspect of it. They were watching some of it. They weren't paying attention too much. I love it when she squeezes that banana in the lunchroom <laughs> like at that kid. Yes. So I was laughing so hard. Josh was watching it, and he really liked the fight when she and uh, yes, Evian's fight. I'm really sorry that I pushed you. It was an accident. I just really want to sign up for the auditions. Well, I'm really sorry that I pushed you, but I just can't let hymenally challenged dogs sign up for the audition. <laughs> well, you know what? You're a very mean girl, and you're going to go to hell for saying that. You're a really pushy girl, and I might just want to kick your ass. Yeah? Well, I might just want to kick your ass. Well, come on, super sucks. If I was Sissy Spacek in the movie Carrie, I would use my telekinesis to kill you. You know why your parents died? Because you're such an embarrassment, they couldn't bear to live anymore. But you know what, Evian? You should be really embarrassed, because your parents named you after bottled water. I just love all her weird voices that she does, and I do love how horny she is. There's some hard relate there for me. <laughs> I was definitely like a weird, weird horny kid. Where she's like grabbing her boobs and talking to her boobs, and is like, I'm on sex later, and one of them, one of you is bigger than the other. So big. I just need a big bra to strap them back and support them, because they're so huge. They need to be hooked and strapped in for support. Or my big boobs. This one is bigger than this one. Because this is a mommy and that's a baby. And this one is very nice. This one, and they hold hands because they're friends. I would never have done that kind of thing when someone could walk in on me, but I definitely did that kind of thing <laughs> in private. <laughs> 
talk to myself all the time in weird voices. And the movie Obsession, definitely hard relate. (laughs) (laughs) Having like made up conversations like that. Yes, yes, totally. I do like you, but it's too soon. You just broke up with her. We can't. (laughs) Stop making me laugh. Stop making me laugh. (laughs) Oh, God. I love that she was the rewind girl at the video store. (laughs) That's her whole job is rewinding VHS tapes. That would be like the perfect job for me. I would love that. (laughs) Remember when you could just buy a tape rewinder? Like, that's all it did was rewind tape super fast. I know that was like someone was so fancy if they had one of those. <laughs> oh, I did. I've never even heard of this. I knew someone who had one that had wheels on it so it looked like a little race car. So, you know, you wouldn't have to waste your VCR time rewinding the tape. Like, yeah, you could start a new movie already without rewinding. <laughs> I know. Be kind, rewind. What a lost phrase. Be kind, rewind. Okay. <laughs> That's funny. And she's rewinding things the slow way because you could turn the VCR (laughs) off and rewind and it would go slightly faster. And then I think the separate machines rewound even faster. But the way she's doing it is like in real time. I also really liked her friend, especially when they did the supermodel thing. Yes, that was great. You're feeling sad, so you know what it's time for? What? Supermodel documentary hour! I was just walking down the street one day, and a man come up to me and he said, Would you like to be a supermodel? And I say, And the next day, I'm in New York on the cover of Vogue. Christy Turlington and Naomi Campbell are two of my very best friends, and we get together. It's just like total, total, and utter insanity. Insanity! Like, it's like three of the most gorgeous girls raising hell. Did you see that picture of Matthew McConaughey on Zoom? No. Well, it was just somebody did a screenshot of and we had a special guest in our meeting and it was Matthew McConaughey, but he looks so bad. And then the response was like, okay, if that's what Matthew McConaughey looks on Zoom, half of the rest of us like such a terrible picture. That's good to know. I'll check that out because I've definitely been having some Zoom dysmorphia. I don't like my hair. I don't like that. I don't like that it's coming from the bottom. Yeah. The top is a better angle. I'm not going to like prop up my laptop. <laughs> it doesn't matter because it's podcast anyway. <laughs> That's true. None of our yeah. listeners can see us. I trust you ladies. And obviously I didn't even wash my hair or anything. I've been watching Cheers season one. Just listening to it while I have other stuff on my screen. And there was a couple people from Superstar that have been in season one of Cheers, I noticed. The grandmother is Diane Chambers' mom in season one. Yeah, Amy Uh, called that. We were watching it with my kids. I'm like, Lucy, you know this lady, right? (laughs) Oh, wow. Who else? I can't remember the other person. But I thought there was another lady that was in... I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. I I thought there was more than one. You might think of it. I don't think we ever really mentioned the plot of this movie. It's kind of a loose plot. It's mostly about just how weird she is and how she wants to be kissed. But 
the framing structure is that she wants to audition for this talent show at school. She goes to Catholic school and the prize is that she gets to be in a Hollywood movie with positive moral values. Catholic Teenager Magazine presents the Let's Fight Venereal Disease Talent Contest. Winner gets a free trip to Hollywood and the chance to be an extra in a movie with positive moral values. She wants to be a superstar, so fits with her dreams. Her grandma wants her to be a businesswoman, wants her to be in business because her parents died in a freak stomp dance accident. <laughs> that was such a funny scene. <laughs> yes, I like that. I think it's like a really well-structured screenplay. I like how that comes back at the end. And <laughs> Even though it's so silly that they get stomped to death because someone bumps the record player and makes it go faster. <laughs> <laughs> so she has to at first audition in secret and then her grandma eventually finds out that that's her dream and is supportive of her. I also really like all the Catholic school references. <laughs> really hit my buttons, like the praying and the confession scene. And she just makes me laugh so hard every time she prays and throws in a superstar or like does the whistling when she's crossing herself. <laughs> <laughs> Or when they're doing the robot fantasy sequence dance number and they just chant, Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. I know Molly Shannon has a real Catholic school background. I think that Mary Catherine Gallagher is more than loosely based on, <laughs> on herself as a child, I think. But yeah, a lot of hard relates for me. I like uh, that the guy who is pretending to be stoned. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Thomas Smith? Uh, here. But I don't like nowhere here is, man, because I'm so wasted, man. Thomas, stop <laughs> pretending that you're high on drugs. It is a sin to even pretend that you're you're... You're baked. Which is probably true. I don't know. I liked that he was always like, everything's a sin. Like all the things that could never have possibly been conceived of in the Bible. <laughs> like that's definitely a sin <laughs> to pretend that you're high. I know. Like, is it a sin to have butter on your toast or something? Remember when he's eating toast and it's like so terrible, like so dry. Yeah, the dry toast. Put some butter on that? Is that also a sin? Like I yeah, he was eating super burnt toast. Yes. Why is he eating that? I feel like that's one of those things that must be from Molly Shannon's memory. She just remembers someone insisting on eating the whole toast just to not waste it. I don't know. The sound design in that scene is so intense. Like every bite is so crunchy. You really feel it in your teeth when he's biting into it. like those little weird things have to be from real life because they're so specifically bizarre yeah i've already started underlining meaningful passages in her copy of mopey dick you know what i mean i loved when she was making out really hard with a tree and then she tells the teacher oh i'm just doing my part to help the rainforest i was just i was just doing my part to save the rainforest sorry (laughs) i just thought it was hilarious 
She's trying to think of an excuse for getting busted. She's always, she loves that tree. Yeah. That specific tree. <laughs> I don't know the whole monologue, but it's like she's quoting Laurie Singer. But <laughs> yes. was in a movie called Bustin' Out. Well, Mary, let's pretend that your life's a movie, shall we? We rewind it. It ends. You're dead. How was it? My feelings would best be expressed in a monologue from the made-for-TV movie Portrait of a Teenage Centerfold starring Miss Laurie Singer from Footloose. If you must. It excites me, Daddy. Don't you see? I like it when the men look at me. You try to keep me trapped here in this small town like a little animal. But I am busting out, Daddy. I'm gonna see the world and the world is gonna see me. They're gonna see all of me, Daddy. All of it was all about her being sexual and that was a really fun scene definitely (laughs) apparently laurie singer had a little bit of a typecast issue back then yeah like footloose basically it sounded exactly because she was i think she's talking to her dad Uh, i really like that they showed a clip from the boy in the plastic bubble yeah (laughs) lucy was watching she was like was that a real movie (laughs) Very much was a real movie. <laughs> Listen, I'll be back later to help you get inside, okay? She's the one you're going with. But she doesn't go with anybody. Time. But did you face up against the plastic? What for? I do, I do what you want me to do. Do it. Do it. Do it. Do it. <sighs> Oh my, yes. I only heard about that movie. I never saw it. Was that like a mini series? I think it was just a TV, regular TV movie. Uh, it used to be more of a thing, TV movies. Now they're just, I mean, I guess there are things that are TV movies or mini series, but they just don't have that same kind of vibe that they used to. Yeah. Now they're like, <laughs> directed by Steven Soderbergh, and they're good, yeah. and they win awards. They're not cheesy. Yeah, yeah, it's not like the movie of the week mentality where it's like, it's a new week, there's a new movie. Right, and they're just cranking them out. Right. But does Lifetime still make movies? So think- that's still kind of genre, the women in peril. I think they do. The Hallmark Channel really churns out the holiday ones. They have a lot of really horrible rom com Christmas movies. And they have, like, old child stars, like... Jodie Sweetin. Oh, I recognize her from some show I watched as a kid, and she's the lead in a rom-com Christmas movie. <laughs> yeah. Another podcast I really like, Hysteria, they did a contest this last holiday where people would write their movie pitches for a holiday rom-com, and then they read them. <laughs> and you had to say a plot synopsis and who it would star. It's pretty good. I can't remember any of them, but I recommend <laughs> looking that up. I would enjoy that. That's hilarious. They have, like, a holiday episode where they read them all. They took turns reading them. <laughs> Um, it's pretty great. Well, not all of them, I'm sure, but the best ones. Yeah, I'd rather listen to that than watch any of them because they all, <laughs> all the real ones sound so terrible. But they're so popular, God. That Christmas Prince, I don't know what it is, but I know that there's someone in my Facebook feed who's really into the Christmas Prince movies and they just keep making Christmas Prince movies. Yeah, I've never heard of that one. And that stars the actress from iZombie, who I like. I liked iZombie a lot, but I don't like her enough to watch whatever this Christmas Prince thing is. 
I love the line when her grandma says, because she's like, I want to win this contest because I want to go to Hollywood, but also I really want Sky Courting to kiss me. And her grandma says, no boys, if you're going to do this, you're going to do it for yourself. If you're going on the stage, Mary, I don't want you stinking up the place with some paint dance. Oh, really? You don't know how much this means to me because there's this boy at school and he's... No boys. If you're going to do this, you're going to do it for yourself like I did. So good. I couldn't wait to show this movie to Lula. She didn't quite react to it the way I thought she would. But yeah, maybe she internalized some of this stuff because I really fucking love that message of this movie. You just don't see characters like that who are learning to come into their own and they're also really horny and they're also super weird and they never get a makeover. Like I fucking love she never gets a makeover. I love that the boy that she was interested in, she like rejects at the end. There's so much to love about it. That she doesn't go through the montage makeover. And then the person she ends up with is the person who accepted her as she was all along. But it's still like the most important thing is that she won the contest on her own merits. Who was the guy that played Slater? I recognized him from There's Something About Mary. Yeah, it's Harlan Williams is his name. Oh, okay. Canadian comedian Harlan Williams. Yeah, I I looked him up because he looked so familiar, but then nothing jumped out at me as like what I really knew him from. Yeah. Something about Mary, half baked. <laughs> seeing something about Mary. He was the hitchhiker. Yeah, he was the seven hitchhiker. minute abs. You heard of this thing, the eight minute abs? Yeah, sure, eight minute abs. Yeah, the uh, exercise video. Uh-huh. Yeah, well, this is going to blow that right out of the water. Listen to this seven minute abs. All right, I see where you're going. Think about it. You walk into a video store, you see eight-minute abs sitting there. There's right. seven-minute abs right beside it. Which one right. are you going to pick, man? I'm, I would go for the seven. Yeah, I'd go for Bingo, the man. Seven. Bingo. Seven-minute yeah. abs. And we right. guarantee just to get a workout is the eight-minute folk. You guarantee it? That's how do, you, how do you do that? If you're not happy with the first seven minutes, we're going to send you the extra minute free. See, that's it. That's our motto. That's where we're coming from. That's from A to B. Unless, of course, somebody comes up with uh, six-minute abs, then you're in trouble, huh? No! Nobody's coming up with six. Who works out in six minutes? You won't even get your heart going, not even a mouse on a wheel. It's like you're dreaming about gorgonzola cheese when it's clearly brie time, baby. Seven-minute abs. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. I really like that bit. Oh, I love that they have the Go-Go's, I, or maybe it's just Belinda Carlisle music in it, but I really enjoyed that and like the whole opener mm. with the, the song and the synchronized, the girls synchronized swimming. I thought that was really cool. That is, it's a really nice opener. Yeah. And then it comes back at the end, yeah. It's a very artistic opener for the movie. I really like Bruce McCullough as a director. What else did he do? The Truth About Cats and Dogs was another one of his. I saw that movie a lot. I I enjoyed that movie. I love Janine Garofalo. Truth About Cats and Dogs is Michael Lehman. Oh, you're right. What else did he... No, he write... Did he write The Truth About Cats and Dogs? Maybe. Fuck. Now I gotta look it up. Dog Park. I knew it was a fucking dog movie. With with Janine Garofalo in it. Oh, yeah, Janine Garofalo's in that, too. Dog Park. With Luke Wilson. And Harlan Williams is in that, too, actually. Oh. <laughs> and Mark McKinney. It's a different romantic comedy about people who like dogs. 
He's directed several episodes of Shit's Creek. Uh -huh. I haven't watched that. Is that really good, though? It's hilarious. It's pretty funny. It. it took me a little while to get into it. Because the characters at first are a little off-putting. Okay. But then... I kept sticking with it because my friend Andrew Gluccio, who generally has really amazing tastes, was like, no, you have to keep watching it. It becomes so, so funny. And by the second season, I was like, okay, I'm used to these characters. Now I know what to expect from them. And then it becomes kind of comforting and funny. And then there's some very heartfelt moments. Now I'm really into it, but it took me a bit to get into it. Yeah, I love Daniel Levy, the David character. Yeah. He's my favorite and Catherine O'Hara is so funny in it. She's so funny. And she gets funnier. I feel like they all get funnier as they kind of understand their characters better. You know what I mean? So at first, the plot of it is that they're these very rich people who get swindled. And then they lose everything. But the one thing they don't lose is this town that they bought as a lark. So then they move to the town because they own the town. And at first, there's a lot of privilege jokes. Like, they're just so used to this level of living and they can't live that way anymore. So they have to live in this podunk town. But then eventually, they kind of come to like living there and almost and come into their own as people that live there instead of trying to get back to their former life. They're like, this is who we are now. And once they get to that point, then they become very likable. But before then, when they're just constantly being like, this is only temporary and I'm better than all of you because I'm rich. That's a lot of the first season. And that part was hard for me to enjoy. But later, when they become part of the town, I really like it. Catherine O'Hara has this weird accent that she kind <laughs> of cultivates. <laughs> it's sort of mid-Atlantic, but with a little bit of British. I am booked up, David. You should see my schedule. I'm positively bedeviled with meetings, etc. <laughs> I don't know. It's very weird, but it's really funny. And she has all these wigs that she wears, and eventually you kind of realize that different wigs mean different moods that she's in. <laughs> she has a wall of wigs. <laughs> yeah, I love her outfits. And she only wears black and white. She has really good outfits in it. Chris Elliott is pretty funny in it, too. I, I hadn't seen him in a long time. I think it's funny. I haven't seen the latest seasons, but I enjoyed it. I really like when Sky's walking down the hall, just saying things to people and finger gun, calling out to them, and he says to one guy, sorry your dad's dead. Damn, what's up? Hey, Greg. Get the sneaks. Debbie shaved your legs. Hey, Tom. Sorry your dad's dead. That's just a funny throwaway. You know that a lot of that was improv. I like when Evian goes to his house after he broke up with her and the mom's like, he's not here. <laughs> he's like, walks right by. <laughs> In his pajamas. <laughs> and they're having like a party. That's a really funny setup. Can you wait a moment? No, definitely not. No way. I'm sorry. Sky's not home. Oh, okay. Then could you tell him if he wants to talk to give me a call? Don't want to talk. Go away. Okay. I'll tell him if I see him. Nice knowing you. It's like catered banquet practically and he's in pajamas just walking around. Yeah. <laughs> it's really funny because they're so old. <laughs> They're so old. Yeah. And they're in high school. I actually thought they were in middle school until this last watch. I just kept thinking they were in middle school because it's really hard to know how old they are supposed to be since they're all in their mid to late 30s. <laughs> Which I know is part of the bit. It's just like a funny teenager moment of he's walking around the house in his pajamas while his parents have a party. <laughs> but he's actually the same age as his parents in this movie. I like the Armageddon scene where she's having this fantasy love scene <laughs> where he's Ben Affleck. Sky, promise me after you destroy the meteor that's headed towards Earth, you'll come back and kiss me. I promise, babe. 
bags are packed. I'm ready to go. I'm standing <laughs> here outside your door. I hate to wake you up to say goodbye. Mary, I don't know how to tell you this, but I just want you to know that I'm really good. Can you shut the hell up? I'm trying to talk. I just remember that movie came out around the same time. Yeah. And it's just so cringy and funny. It seems like it really a, seems like a dated reference now, but like, has everyone seen that? Is that something that people still watch? I don't. I've never seen it, but it was such a movie of that. You that. never saw Armageddon? <laughs> I never saw it. I thought everyone saw it. It's not good. It's not a good movie. Yeah. I like that they play that whole scene with her legs wrapped around his waist. He's just... Yeah, she's like humping at him. <laughs> it's hilarious. But he's like, when I come back, I'm going to kiss you finally. <laughs> like, they haven't kissed yet. <laughs> I love Will Ferrell's breakup scene on the basketball court in front of everybody. And it's so dramatic in the way that middle school or... High... I just remember, like, they're going to break up. Oh my god! Sky and Evian are gonna break up! Sky's gonna break up with Evian! Come on! After lunch, it was like a known thing and everybody witnesses the drama, the middle school or whatever. It does seem I like just, middle school. I know it's a, it's supposed to be high school, but it really does. Like, there's a lot of middle school yeah, motifs. Yeah. That was something you experienced? People would schedule breakups for after lunch? Yeah, in middle school, you would hear things are going to go down after the bell rings. It just brought me back to that. <laughs> yeah, it really reminded me of middle school. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure why it did end up being high school, because it really does have such a middle school vibe to it. I guess that's a little bit of a hot problem, is that it feels like it should be middle school. I just really liked when... When her friend called it a sloppy Joseph. Hey there. About half of my sloppy Joseph. That's a good bit in general. <laughs> <laughs> I love the Harry callbacks. I thought the more movies I watched, the more they'd rub off on me. And people said that they did. Especially movies like Carrie, starring Academy Award winner Sissy Spacek. What are you doing? I'm using my telekinesis to kill the girl who threw pig's blood on me at the prom. Okay. I really like that. There's so many Carrie references. I'd forgotten yeah. how many. So many. The abridged version of the paint scene. And it, like, kind of proves, because we talked about when we did Carrie, we talked about, like, it could have been paint and it still would have been just as mortifying. And yeah. then it was paint in this movie. So I was like, see, it could have been paint. I know, we were watching with Lucy and it was like, God, it's a good thing I have let Lucy watch Carrie. She wouldn't have gotten half the reference. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's an important order that she watched these movies in. <laughs> yes, yes. There was another Carrie reference. Oh, when Evian's like, I wish you were dead. And someone else is like, that's a little extreme. Because <laughs> it's like, why do you hate her so much? <laughs> that was a huge theme of our episode was, why does this woman hate Carrie so much? She hates yeah. Carrie. <laughs> Just chill on your hate for Carrie. I think their gym uniforms are so cute. They're like these little onesies. I kind of want one of their gym uniforms. Not, well, I would look terrible in a onesie, but... Maybe for my friend Elise, who looks amazing in onesies. <laughs> uh, I love that Spirit in the Sky is God's theme by Norman Greenbaum. Since it's funny how Slater never bothers to learn to swim, like in between the <laughs> near drowning incidents. I'm sorry I almost drowned you. <laughs> That's all right. I was 
probably drown him before you got there. <laughs> I'm a horrible swimmer. Really? <laughs> That's true. <laughs> and he starts drowning immediately and sinks okay. right to the bottom. <laughs> that man is dense. <laughs> He's a very, very dense yeah. actor. What movie did they say was their 19th? That's my 19th favorite TV movie of all time. Was it The Boy in the Plastic Bubble? Because it was when Sky comes in to talk to her. Listen, I'm looking for a made for TV movie from the 70s starring John Travolta. The Boy in the Plastic Bubble? That's my 19th favorite made-for-TV movie of all time. It's my 19th also. Wow. Will Ferrell's Jesus. I wrote this down. It's like where Jesus is like, CD player, huh? We don't have these. <laughs> I don't know why. I just thought it was like so funny. Is this your stereo? Yep. CD player, huh? Yep. We don't have these. Oh, yeah. Oh. Like, he's just such a casual, cool Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> He's really funny in this movie. Just walking around, looking at the CD player. I don't always go in for Will Ferrell's shtick, but it works for me here. He's a good funny dancer, which is a very important skill for this movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know I love dance numbers, and this movie has a bunch. Did he and Sherry O'Terry, because they used uh, Everybody Dance Now, the CNC Music Factory, and I thought yeah. I remember a sketch where he and Sherry O'Terry are cheerleaders yes. at a swimming competition, and they do everybody dance now thing i love that they use that song in the movie too oh i mean so many of his dancing like night at the roxbury he has that yeah. i like his dance moves that was a regular bit and i think didn't it always end with that song you, you can't, can't see, see why, why we're so great east lake spartans you can't see why we're so great east lake spartans east lake spartans east lake spartans can't see It always ended up with them doing the robot to that song. <laughs> Do we think that Harlan Williams' character is named Slater as a tribute to Heathers? I feel like that <laughs> might have been a little bit of something there. I felt like that, yeah. I kept almost calling him Christian. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think he's got a little JD in him. Yeah, I can see that. Slater just transferred here from public school. He's crazy. They say he chopped up his parents, and now he never talks. They think he murdered his parents, but yeah, then they ended up getting like torn that, apart yeah. by hammerhead sharks, which is what Mary Catherine Gallagher always thought happened to her parents. <laughs> so what really happened to your parents? They were savagely ripped apart eaten by a school of hammerhead sharks. That happens a lot. Yeah. I know, I wonder if his was a cover story too. Hmm. <laughs> I just like, I told you that to make you feel better. Yes, <laughs> exactly. This comforting story of being ripped alive by the sharks. <laughs> 
What else does a suicide need, huh? I got a couple fun facts. Fun fact number one, Artie Lang and David Faustino both auditioned for the role of Sky Corrigan. <laughs> Although it seems Whoa. weird that anybody would audition for that role because it just seems so perfect for Will Ferrell. Yeah, I thought they just made those SNL movies with certain cast members in mind already. They're automatically going to get it. I just assume that's how they did it. Yeah. The other writer, Steve Corin, was a writer on SNL. And he also wrote some episodes of Seinfeld, including the English Patient episode and the Serenity Now episode of Seinfeld. There's like SNL and Kids in the Hall pedigree in here. Fun fact number two is that every car in the movie, with the exception of the opening sequence, either a lime green or a black Volkswagen Beetle. Oh, wow. I'm not sure why. The opening scene is all classic VW Beetles, but the other scenes are the newer ones. Are we ready for lunchtime pool, guys? So this is what's called a lunchtime poll. Well, our lunchtime poll was to pick your favorite made-for-TV movie and do a monologue from it, maybe, if you feel like it. You don't have to, but (laughs) I thought it might be fun to do a Mary Catherine Gallagher-style monologue Do you want to go first, Amy? Um, sure. Well, I'm just going to say I'm not going to count the sack lunch punch, even though that's like a made-for-TV special, because that's my real favorite made-for-TV thing. And then I almost would have had to go with, there was this time period where there were three made-for-TV movies about Amy Fisher, so those are like a collectively (laughs) favorite. But there's this TV movie called Summer Girl with Diane Franklin, and it's like so dumb. It's one of those where it's kind of, it's beforehand the Rocks the Cradle, but it's pretty much the same plot. This woman hires this girl for the summer to watch her kids, and she tries to seduce her husband and kill her and one of the funny dumb things about it is that when she (laughs) when she first interviews her and hires her a couple months before the summer she's all frumpy (laughs) (laughs) when summer comes she's all hot and like she's lost like 40 pounds (laughs) Um, i really like that (laughs) i thought i could trust you but you were like this heavy girl That's great. I love that that is sort of like this big, that in itself is like this big betrayal. Yes. Oh my God. That's great. I thought I was hiring a frumpy girl. (laughs) Not what I signed on for. Yeah. But I did find a good clip of it. But you guys know who I'm talking about when I say Diane Franklin. She was. I guess best known as the girl in Better Off Dead. The, the French. The French. Monique, or no, was her name Monique? Yeah. I don't Maybe, I don't know. I think so, yeah. The French girl. I assume there's only one French girl in that movie. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, okay, so I found a clip of her from this movie where she says, I gotta get in character. <laughs> I'm the most powerful person in the world. I got rid of Pete, and now I've got Gavin. I wonder what Mary will do. Maybe she'll kill herself. Look at me. I am the great moon goddess. Whoa! Whoa, that's intense! (laughs) (laughs) That's really good. Oh, wow. She nailed it. Yeah. We'll do a side by side. We'll do a side by side for sure. Pete, and now I've got Gavin. 
I wonder what Mary will do. Maybe she'll kill herself. Christina, do you want to go next? Oh, okay. Well, mine was a movie that I watched multiple times as a kid. It's called Switched at Birth. It's from 1991. Mm. It stars Bonnie Bedelia as a mother whose child was switched at birth. And this actually happened in Wakula, Florida. Two baby girls born in a hospital in 1978, and they got switched at birth, and nobody knows who did it. Ten years later, one of the girls dies, and that's when they find out that it wasn't really her actual daughter. I uh, re- totally remember this. A custody battle ensues with the parents. It was just like one of those really stranger-than-fiction stories that happened, and I guess I just sort of felt like, oh my god, that's not far from where I live, and they were born <laughs> the same year as me, and I don't know, I felt really invested in the story. So I taped it, and I watched it on VHS a few times. So that's my favorite TV movie, and I have this scene in the very end where Bonnie Bedelia is going to see her daughter for the first time, and she's 10 years old, and Bonnie Medelia, who I really love, and most people know her as the wife in Die Hard, she's really good in this movie, and she plays Regina Twig. The Twigs are a very religious, kind of like conservative family, and they have six kids, and so one of their daughters was switched, and anyways, like in the very end, she's going to meet her daughter for the first time, and she's freaking out. It starts out with her and her husband. So I wrote the lines out because I watched the scene today. (laughs) So if you guys just bear with me. Yeah. Okay. So this is Bonnie Bedelia. There she is. And then her husband's like, yeah. Oh God. What if she doesn't like me? Regina. Is she going to like me? You think? (laughs) Regina, hush. You're going to be fine. Hi, Kimberly. And then Kimberly says, hi. Uh, it's really nice to meet you. And then Kimberly says, nice to meet you too. And then Bonnie Bedelia's like, can I have a hug, a big hug? And then all this music comes in and then they have like this really big hug and Bonnie Bedelia's like crying. And then she's like, it's been a long time, huh? And then Kimberly just nods. I love you, Kimberly. And then Kimberly turns to her dad, who has been her dad for 10 years, but it's not her bio dad. She turns around to her dad and she grabs his hand. And then with her other hand, she goes and grabs Bonnie Bedelia's hand. The last frame is them all holding hands. <laughs> there she is. Yeah. Oh, God, what if she doesn't like me? Regina. She gonna like me with that? Regina, hush. Don't be afraid. Hi, Kimberly. Hi. It's, um... It's... Really... Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you, too. Can I have a hug? Big hug?
goes to the last frame where it just it's like the postscript script to the story and it says they're still working out their legal about i don't know what <laughs> happened to the girl the custody thing but yeah, the, the movie made it seem like we're all a family now but you know I remember this to definitely not how things ended I no yeah watching it like on date there was an extended legal battle it was terrible i remember a scene from them in a courtroom with a lawyer like was referred to like this girl you know whatever the name was that she had grown up with like that girl is dead <laughs> and just oh, right yeah <laughs> yeah it was Imagine 10 years into parenting, you find out your kid was switching. You're like, okay, I want that one. Are you kidding? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Like, oh, okay. I'll just, oh, it's Lula's not my kid. All right. Send her back. Send me the right, you know? That is crazy. But it's because one of them died, right? So she's like, I, okay, my baby's dead. Now I have another baby. My baby, but this other baby's still alive. Is that why she grabs her? Yeah. Like, well, they find out because the girl, like, there's another scene in it where Bonnie Bedelia finds out the blood type of her daughter isn't what she thought it was. And then later, somehow they find out after years that it's not their daughter. And the other guy who had Bonnie Bedelia's daughter, his wife dies of cancer. So it's just him and the daughter living alone. And then they become in this custody battle. It's all just very tragic. I can't believe that the, I was just like, oh. I hope they got a lot of money from the hospital that did that. Because, like, that's fucking insane. Yeah. yeah, I think that was how they found out that there was a switch. was something with the girl's medical issue. Like, you know, it was something like that, that whatever it was she died of. Or when they were doing a bunch of tests or something in her blood work or something, that it came up. Like, you know, this would be genetic or something. Yeah, something like mm-hmm. that. And I also had a bunch of other kids, too. Yeah. Yeah, they had a lot of kids. I want to look at them and see, like, whatever. I mean, you know, they're all adults now, so. (laughs) Why would you feel the need to do that? I guess if they're religious, maybe they're like, oh, God, blah, blah, blah. But it seems like God wanted it this way. (laughs) Right? I know. I know. I feel like if I found out something like that happened, I mean, I would be curious to meet the kid that was my biological kid, but I definitely would not feel like... Oh, give that one back, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's mine. <laughs> give it back. Right. I know. Such a fucked up stranger than fiction story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what's yours, Jessica? Okay. My favorite TV movie, for my childhood at least, was the TV movie V, The Final Battle. <laughs> oh! Which was about aliens who came to Earth and they pretended like they were going to help humans, but really they wanted to eat them and take over. (laughs) And the leader, the queen of the aliens, they were like these reptilian creatures, but they wore human skin. And it was really cool. But then they had like contacts in, but they had these lizard eyes and they take the contacts out. And sometimes their fake human skin would get torn and there'd be alien skin underneath. It was really cool. Cool effects for the time. And I love that the bad guy was this, like, badass alien queen. I really liked her. Like, she was kind of, like, the first bad guy that I really was rooting for. She was so cool. She had all these idiot men working for her and trying to undermine her all the time. And I found this good monologue from her. I don't remember the context of it exactly, but I'm sure that it'll speak for itself. Okay, (laughs) here we go. Ahem. (laughs) (laughs) You stupid, feeble man. 
If it hadn't been for me, you'd still be trying to decide where to land on this planet. You and your petty, idiotic intrigue. Wondering who was in charge? I was in charge! I directed this entire operation! While you made pretty speeches, I had the power, and you wore the crown. <laughs> oh my god, that's awesome! <laughs> Thank you. You stupid, feeble man. If it hadn't been for me, you'd still be trying to decide where to land on this planet. You and your petty, idiotic intrigue. Wondering who was in charge. I was in charge. I directed this entire operation while you made pretty speeches. I had the power, and you were the crown. It makes me really want to revisit that. <laughs> it was like a whole series too, or a mini series, but then it culminated in this TV movie. <laughs> anyway, well, that's a fun one. I like that. We didn't do a Who You Would Bone or a music one this time. We branched out. <laughs> we branched way out. How very. Oh, I have another fun fact actually. I just found out today that Molly Shannon's husband has like the most Mary Catherine Gallagher like fake name ever. <laughs> His name is. Fritz Chestnut. Whoa. Isn't that a great name? What a name. It's really good. It sounds so made up. It really sounds like, like I definitely have a boyfriend. His name is Fritz Chestnut. <laughs> but it's your husband and then her kids have the last name Chestnut. It's so fucking cute. Wow, that's a good name. And they're still married. They've been married all this time. Anyway, I like that. <laughs> Fritz Chestnut. Did you guys see that? I don't remember what the movie was called, but... There's an SNL writer who wrote about his mom who had cancer. Yes. And, like, lived in Arizona or something like that. And he moved back in with her. Oh, God. That was such a good movie. It's called, called Other People. Other People. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I watched that movie and I fucking bawled in the theater. And then I told Amy to watch that movie. <laughs> I know that was a hard sell for you because you're not a Jesse Plemons fan and he was the he's the star of it, but he's well, the I son. Forgave. I mean, I just just because his character in Breaking Bad was so me, but yeah, I like Jesse Plemons. I was like, just watched something he was in. Game Night, have you ever watched that? No. Oh, Jason Bateman, right? Yeah. It was okay. It was an impulse buy. I had wanted to see it and then the DVD at Target was five dollars. So <laughs> yeah. Buy. Like the price of a rental, basically. Right. Yeah. So he was really good in it. He had a small part in it. And he and Kirsten Dunst are together. I know. And they were so good together yeah, in the season of oh, Fargo. Right. Yeah. Have you guys watched any of Fargo? It's so good. Mm-mm. I should track that down. Yeah. I think it's streaming on... These past seasons are streaming on Hulu. Oh, is that how they got together? Because they're both in that? I'm not sure what order that came in. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. They're really good together on it, though. That's my favorite season of that show so far. It's like every season they reboot it. There's a new cast of characters, and that's my favorite one. I did not care for the last one so much, which was surprising because it was Mary Elizabeth Winstead and Ewan McGregor plays twins. <laughs> 
But he does it in a really annoying way. I did not care for it. This is not working for me, Hugh McGregor. But he won an award for it. <laughs> they were a little different, but he seemed like he was trying hard. That was like the first time I really saw the seams in Ewan McGregor's performances. Like you could really see him working it out. Anyway, that's a big tangent. Yes, that was a great movie starring Molly Shannon. <laughs> Other people. <laughs> Yeah, I really love that movie. That movie fucking killed me. She was uh, amazing in it. Ooh. I love the scene in that movie where he is on a date and it goes so badly and he gets a little too drunk and he almost throws up like at the table. <laughs> <laughs> I really, really like an awkward date scene like that. Yeah. <laughs> He's, like, trying to hold it together, you know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I wish you could see the face that Amy just made, podcast people. It was great. Drunken, I'm about to barf face. From someone who doesn't usually drink and barf from drinking. <laughs> I've seen the face more than I've made the face. That's... <laughs> That's a good point. I always love that fact about uh, Richard E. Grant in Withlow and I. He plays like one of the all-time great drunks. He's so amazing at being this drunken boar. And he is a lifelong teetotaler. He does an amazing job. He was great in Can You Ever Forgive Me? Yes. Scenes. And my theory about his character in Can You Ever Forgive Me is that he's like Withnal years later. He's basically an extension of that character. Whitlow and I is one of my favorite movies. There's like no women in it at all, so we'll never do it for this podcast. It's one of the movies I quote most of my everyday life too. I've gotta see that. What's it called? It's With- called Withnell and I. Withnell and I. Yeah. <laughs> I watched that forever ago and I read he had a memoir called With Nails. Yeah. I read that that's a great memoir, yeah. Right around this time, but it's uh, been a very long time since I watched that. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's a single woman in it. People in the cafe. Burgess and I quote the cafe scene all the time when we're like, we demand the finest wines available to humanity. Just bring out the pipe. Cake and fine wine. If you don't leave, we'll call the police. Balls. We want the finest wines available to humanity. We want them here, and we want them now. I love the way he orders in that movie. Actually, there's a lot of good booze ordering, because he orders a large gin at one point. <laughs> a large gin. A large gin. <laughs> anyway, that might be all the <laughs> stuff about Superstar. Right. <laughs> this might be the most tangenty of all of the, and probably the sloppiest episode of Pain and Puke so far. Sorry. <laughs> Well, you know, these are hard times. These are yeah. hard times. In case something else is happening when when we uh, drop this. Whenever this. You know, these hard times that we're going through right now. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I feel like I'm one of the Kimmy Schmidt mole people or something, but I'm above <laughs> ground. I don't know when I'm going to get out of here. On the next episode of Paid and Puke, we go crazy for Jason Reitman's 2018 film, Tully, written by Diablo Cody and starring Charlize Theron. If you enjoyed this episode of Paid and Puke, please take a minute to rate us highly on your preferred podcast listening apparatus. If you did not enjoy this episode, no further action is necessary. Thanks, guys! Paid and Puke is hosted by Amy Green, Christina Barr, and Jessica Baxter. Music by Silent Partner. Follow us on Twitter at Paid and Puke Pod or join us on Facebook at Paid and Puke Podcast. Thanks for listening. 
Lick it up, baby. Lick it up.